Mm. So this brand has a habit of making very confusing retinal percentage claims. <laughs> How much do I trust their choice of peptides? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is the Chemist Confessions podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Gloria. And this is a human conversation on all the skincare science we talk on the daily. And today, what are we talking about, Gloria? Ooh, today we are going to put the spotlight on us oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> and give everyone a little closer look at how we would decode ingredients yeah. and hopefully guide, help guide you guys on making that purchase decision. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, but before that, we are going to share a couple nice words, starting with a kit that we don't actually ever talk about. This is the Chemist Intro to Skincare. We've talked about the mini kit. Mm. We've talked about a lot of our individual product, but this is actually a nice little starter bundle of full-size products and our book. Yep. The title is Great Intro to CC's Products and Skincare Philosophy. She writes, I love the set. It's a great intro to CC's products in a very approachable way. The book is excellent. Blank slate gel cleanser. My face feels clean with one wash and not stripping at all. Aquafix. So great having this in my routine for those harsh Canadian winters when my skin is extra dry. This is also great during those humid summer days when I don't want to use a heavy moisturizer. I love how functional Aquafix is. Double Play. This is my first retinal product and I'm glad I started with CC's Double Play. It's non-irritating for my skin and definitely keeping those wrinkles at bay. I will keep using this. Woo! Yeah. Uh, glad everything in the bundle works out. Um, you can check out our website, our bundles. This bundle is sold at a discounted price. You are essentially getting the book for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, other than that, thank you. And we're moving on to the next product. Yep. This one is about our cold classic. Equifix. Oh, oh, <laughs> Aquafix hydrating water gel and the title is three plus years and counting. Mm -hmm. I have oily skin and will occasionally have breakouts. The weather at where I'm staying in Singapore is constantly mm. humid or will be in air conditioned rooms. Aquafix is perfect for my skin, not too oily as it is a water gel base, yet my skin loves the hydration it provides. I've been using this since 2020 and I love this product. That's crazy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, this is one of our top sellers from day one it is completely oil-free and how you use it can depend on your skin condition i have dry skin and i use it like a hydrating serum i'll layer it under Miss reliable mm. or a moisturizer i'm testing or an oil yeah and for looks <laughs> like a poorly <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and for me um especially in the hotter summer months um this might actually be the only layer i need especially under sunscreen and then in wintertime, it's just one layer underneath the moisturizer if I need it. But yeah, otherwise, thank you guys so much. We are very proud of all of our reviews. None of them are paid for. And a lot of them leave their in-depth skincare routine and skin type. So if you are looking for more info on what our products can do for maybe your skin type, give the reviews a look. And then also a reminder to please use the promo code podcast ship for free shipping on your purchase. And this code is stackable with any discounts we might be running at the moment. I don't think there's any, but soon. Soon. Yes, we will. Maybe very soon. Yeah, keep an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So other than that, uh, let's get right into the meats and we should provide a little bit of context. I do say recently, I do feel like there's a um, group of individuals that feel like decoding ingredient lists are maybe not that helpful. Yeah. It, confusing. I can totally understand where that, yeah. uh, that came from. 
for those of you who don't know how we got started, we started with pretty in-depth decodes. Mm -hmm. We will literally have the product and its ingredient list next to it, mm -hmm. highlight certain ingredients, and walk through the specific ingredients that like we highlighted. six years ago. Yeah. And then we decided that that's maybe people are getting a little too caught in up in it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And we realized there's maybe the takeaways are not... It, basically, what we realized was per product category, decoding is maybe can be helpful and sometimes not helpful at all. Yeah. And basically, I got carried away. So then our decoding journey kind of trickled to where we it died down a little bit. And then I think recently, Gloria felt like the claims have gotten crazy again. Super crazy. So decoding might be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a journey. It's a journey because social media constantly evolves and marketing is evolving. So we figure that we should spend one episode to actually go through our decoding philosophy mm -hmm. per product category in hopes that would help help you guys know when to do it, when to not get caught up in it kind yeah, of thing. For sure. So yeah. um, to get started, the me part one will focus on the fundamentals of skincare, mm -hmm. how we decode cleansers, moisturizers, and sunscreens. And mm -hmm. you'll see that depending on category, how you should or uh, how you might want to read mm -hmm. ingredient list can be completely different. Yep. So <laughs> we're going to start off with cleansers. And <laughs> this will be very quick, guys. <laughs> because we find that decoding and cleansers is actually not helpful at all. The reason being is most cleansers are a blend of surfactants. Mm -hmm. They can be at varying concentrations, which will also dictate how irritating the cleanser can be to skin. Yeah. So in this category, you might hear you might have heard of the claim sulfate free. Mm -hmm. And that usually targets sodium lauryl sulfate. And that's known to be a pretty harsh surfactant. But you can formulate this into a very gentle cleanser, just depending on the supporting yes. cast, how much SLS you're actually using, mm -hmm. what other surfactant you're using, and maybe there might be hydrating or soothing ingredients too. So just seeing uh, the word SLS on packaging shouldn't be a determining factor. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to kind of one final thought here is we did write a post, I think last year mm -hmm. on kind of a cleanser update. And if let's say you were just struggling with everything you've been trying, I think Gloria was able to find a couple products that had just like a completely isolated single surfactant system. Mm -hmm. And that may be like as a last effort to try to solve it just trialing these like single surfactant products to just see if there's one that you could possibly eliminate but that's really it because everything else when it comes to a blend is so difficult to know um how it'll perform yeah and it's not your imagination it is hard to find the surfactant combo for you like Victoria said there's a lot of complexities to it mm -hmm. and something you might see a lot of times is cocoa beating because mm -hmm. it's a very popular gentle surfactant that some people might be allergic to yeah so it happens yeah so we would say if you are buying cleansers based on a feeling how you like it how you think it finishes on skin incorporates into your routine and removes your makeup that's the better way to go yes <laughs> buy on a feeling and trust your skin yeah. <laughs> all right but avoid the squeaky feeling yeah that's the one we avoid <laughs> yes yes tightness dryness squeaky feel this is a very dated concept that you do not need in your cleanser so yes great point all right moisturizers i think we could say this is generally semi-helpful yeah i would say for me it's uh it's been pretty helpful actually in terms of you can zoom in on a couple of ingredients um right off the bat mm -hmm. for example 
I have really dry skin. And a lot of times I will look at a a heavier cream, which is often positioned for dry skin. Mm -hmm. And you can see the butters, the waxes, um, maybe petrolatum relatively higher up on the Mm -hmm. list. But what I realized too is a lot of heavier creams actually don't have the water grabbers. They have very little humectants. The ingredient list might read water, cacoc triglyceride, which is a lightweight oil, butter, you know, something like this where you're like, where's my glycerin? Where's my like water yes. grabbers? Where's my like glycols? And yes. it might be none. A lot of times when followers and our customers ask us about moisturizers and they need help, um, when they send us their products, we actually notice that uh, a lot of times they're just missing something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, did you know that you are predominantly using water stuff you actually have very little oil Mm -hmm. and so and the thing is as really great chemists that have their own wizardry you can make really luxurious feeling lotions that feel very nourishing and it could just be like predominantly water Mm -hmm. that's just what you can do to manipulate the feel and so that's why i i think this happens all the time where you just notice like the balance of things is just not quite right yeah and also Nowadays, you'll sometimes stumble on gel textures that maybe aren't all they seem. I was thinking about how like even for oily skin types, you'll stumble on gel textures that you think are going to be like light Mm -hmm. and then they turn out to be, I don't know, silicone gels and whatnot. You know, silicone gels can be great, but I have noticed like a type of, I think it's a little like lazy silicone emulsion formulation where it feels, it has that initial slip that's signature to Mm -hmm. a silicone gel. But then it just slides forever or like they got a little too heavy handed with the silicone. Yeah, just pure silicone feels unnatural and gross. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, this also can help you avoid certain textures you might not like. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is where why we say moisturizers can can be semi-helpful. I have noticed like sometimes people get carried away with like, oh, my skin doesn't do well with a specific ingredient, like let's say shea. Mm -hmm. And then they don't realize that shea can be manipulated into all, all sorts, sorts of, of textures yeah. to like really actually nice light oils almost with a mm-hmm. really nice finish mm-hmm. to really thick gunky butters. So I think that's where like if you kind of feel like you're venturing down that realm, sometimes it can be confusing. Yeah, for sure. So kind of to sum up um, how we will go about this moisturizer is honing on key moisturizing ingredients. For example, the butters and waxes are definitely call outs, right? So your occlusives, like petrolatum, butters, waxes, heavier dimethicone, which is a little hard to tell. I don't mm, even know why it's pretty that. hard to tell. Yeah. So if you're dry like me, you want you want your um your cream to have something, have something that has a butter, yes. a wax, or something. Yes. But at the same time, if that cream doesn't have humectant, if it doesn't have the glycerin, the hyaluronic acid, you might want to layer it with a hydrating serum mm. that has that. So that's kind of how I would go about it. It can be like a level three type of exercise. It's yeah, not like super beginner point. friendly. But just email us. We'll mm-hmm. help you out. Yeah. All right. So that's it for moisturizers. And then we get to sunscreens. Not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Don't do it. Not worth it. Yeah. Aside from figuring out if it's mineral or chemical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We would say if I think the craziest question that we get asked that we refuse to answer to is they'll ask us like, there's only X percent of zinc oxide in this. Am I getting enough protection? And we're like, never ask us this question. Yeah, and the reason being, the um the amount of sun filter a sunscreen has is only one part of it, right? How it how the formula supports this sun filter 
the mm-hmm. film formers, the there's SPF boosters you can use. There's antioxidants you might need to protect the sun filter, not necessarily to give you antioxidant benefits. But there's a lot that goes into a sunscreen that changes its performance. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that you can tweak, you can do to your formula that tanks its performance. So what, what matters is the final test result, the SPF value you see on the packaging, because mm-hmm. that is tested the same way, regardless of how much filters in it, regardless of all these like random words I just threw at you. Totally. I mean, I don't have anything else to add to that. Just, yeah. You don't need to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, it's important to remember that the aspect, the, uh, the feeling of the sunscreen and how it looks when it comes out of the bottle is more important because we have also seen a lot of formula that's separated in the bottle. Yeah. That's so, not cool, bro. SPF value is also not tested when the formula is separated. <laughs> so that's not how that works. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So otherwise... We wouldn't say you need to do a intense decode here. Um, texture and finish always matters more. You know the drill. What are you willing to put on your face and reapply matters mm-hmm. is everything here. So other than that, those are the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a quick break. Uh, it's time to break, break, break it up, break it, break it up, break it, break it up. It, 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 it's almost Friday. Yeah. All right. Yes. Today's Animal fun fact quarter. Yeah. Today is about cockatoos. Yes. Specifically, the ones with the pretty yellow um, yellow crown thingy above, the sulfur-crested cockatoos. I admire from afar, never want in my own house. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're a group of people that keep really cool exotic birds as pets. Mm-hmm. And cockatoos is one of the more mm-hmm. popular ones. They're incredibly smart. Mm. They can get up to 20 inches long and weigh up to two pounds. So not a small mm. bird at all. They are like most parrots. They are very smart and they are not beginner pets at all. Mm. Um, they need to be interacted with at least a few hours daily. Mm. They need a lot of exercise. They are so smart. They are, some, have, uh, some have said that these cockatoos have the intelligence of basically a two-year-old. Mm. And so they get lonely if you don't interact with them enough. Mm. They'll pluck their own feathers. Mm. They're very social creatures by nature, so usually they need friends. They're very loud. <laughs> so anyway, but and also if you take care of them properly, they can live up to 80 years. And I learned recently that it's a whole section, um, a very specific part of your will that you have to set up if you own a pet like a cockatiel or a tortoise. Mm. Like they tend to outlive yes. their owner. yes. But anyway, today we're not talking about cockatoos as the pet. We're talking about wild cockatoos that roam Australia. Oh, okay. Yes. In the wild. Yep. Are they significantly different? They're not significantly different. Um, but what you don't might not know is they travel in giant packs. Okay. So as pets, you might have them as bonded pairs True. or like three or four birds. True. It's like very cute. But sometimes a huge cloud of 40, 100 of them can descend on a town <laughs> in Australia and it becomes a little less cute. I will say being in LA and seeing the flocks of parrots out there. They are so I, annoying. They are so loud. We have, I, and I am so sorry to do this to all you podcast listeners. We have in Southern California, other than peacocks, we also have these like the green, green parrots yeah. with the red heads. Yes. So cute. And then they flock over and they make sounds like I cry. I, not like, kidding. Ah! <laughs> And I swear they have dialects or something because yeah. they can sound different and nothing makes them happier than making that sound fight in the morning. <laughs> so it's true. Yeah. LA is wild. 
Yeah, there's a lot of wildlife here. Yeah, I, there's when I first moved here, there's more. I digress, but there's more than once. So I'm like, oh my god, someone's dog got out, and I got closer. I'm like, oh, that's a coyote. <laughs> yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's the only thing. Yep. But anyway, um, yes, in Aussie, the animal problems are only bigger, not smaller. So okay. there are areas only in Australia, of course. definitely only in Australia. Yeah. So in the coastal towns where there's more trees, okay. there's a lot of cockatoos. Okay. Um, they are also found in other countries like um like Singapore, Malaysia, like kind of tropical sure. areas. But in Australia, I I'm just gonna roam through some of these like problems. It starts out kind of cute, right? Okay. So I have this video here. I'm gonna share with Victoria where. This is something you'll see in like places like New York City a lot too. There are these like, anti-bird spikes essentially that prevents birds like pigeons from nesting. I'm sure Victoria are short of a cockatoo methodically peeling the spikes off yeah. the roof. Yeah. And then, wait for it, uh-huh. it's, they're very strong. So they pull off the yeah. whole anti-nesting strip and then they dunk it on the ground. <laughs> wow, that's dangerous. Yes. <laughs> wow, okay. This Holy is, crap, it's the whole row. Yeah, and they Pretty don't good. stop until they're done. And oh my, oh my God. Wow, that's actually really dangerous. Yep. Okay. So you so in Australia you have to watch out for spikes falling above you. Yeah, because they don't work against cockatoos. They think it's a toy. They think it's fun to dismantle a whole anti-bird thing. <laughs> and then I'm gonna show her the next video, an example of cockatoo shithousery. In this in this Australian uh, kangaroo sanctuary, this woman bought uh, a plot of land and they just taken straight roots and they happen to live close to this wild flock oh of cockatoos. God. And the cockatoos have learned that, holy crap, these humans are giving out food for the kangaroos. So they will go and just snip at the kangaroos' tails oh until, they, until they can't take it and run away and then steal their food. What a terror. Yeah. And these are not pets on the sanctuary. These are wild cockatoos that live oh nearby God. that got attracted by the food. And they decide. And, and I find it so wild because kangaroos are, are like big. They can really like oh hurt. My God. They can really hurt them if they want to. But. But they're just fast enough to get out of the way and oh be a menace. Oh my god. Yeah. But oh. the bruises are really cute. What an asshole. Next! <laughs> the, on this island, it's called... On Hamilton Island, there's a lot of cockatoos. It's so bad that the hotel there actually constantly puts out warnings of do not leave any window, any door open. No. Not even don't leave it open. Don't leave it unlocked. And they're watched, they're alerts. They might actually send out alert when their flocks of cockatoo come into town. No And say, way. beware. And I'm going to show her this video. And they will break in. They will rummage through your lo- luggage. They will destroy everything. Oh, my God. And then God. this lady oh. found a, a whole roll of them just all eating toast. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I feel like this is the bird equivalent. Wait, that is gangster. Yeah. Of teabagging <laughs> you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Oh. Oh my god oh, oh my god. god what a menace yeah oh, they look like they're having like a blast oh yeah just they creating have chaos a party oh my god so yeah they have like bird alert literally at this hour cockatoos are coming make sure you lock your doors oh don't leave food god. out oh my god oh they're right up there with the african snails yep yep wow. yep and 
Showing Victoria another piece of news of a town that got invaded by cockatoos. Uh, that's too many. Literally hundreds of them will descend on a town just for funsies. It's roosting season. And it's I, literally Alfred Hitchcock's movie, but worse. Yeah. And then I have found a video from about two years ago that they have learned to like open trash cans. Oh, of course. And in places with a lot of wildlife, it's not uncommon to like place something heavy on lids or when I went to Japan, they have, they always place like a little oh, yeah, weighted yeah. sack so the crows can get into mm-hmm. them. Apparently cockatoos have learned to work around and can open trash oh, cans now. God. And I found a video where they interview a town that has a lot of them. And one of the uh, house owners there is like, yeah, those, yeah, flying termites. Because they <laughs> also love picking at wood. Oh my God. So houses, you can rack up tens and thousands of damages from cockatoos just pulling and tearing off beams and stuff oh my god just when you thought you had a raccoon problem at least you don't have a cockatoo problem holy crap yeah adorable when you don't live with a whole flock of them in the wild yeah just having beach parties at your hotel every like pool parties every day yep and i'm not i'm not from australia so i don't know the regulations super well it's very it's hard because they try to protect them now this particular breed of cockatoos aren't endangered but there are a lot of like bigger parrots like those oh yeah bigger parrots in general that are endangered mm-hmm. and there are a lot of rules against against like certain subspecies you can't kill them you can't hurt them and i think if i read correctly in some towns they can classify them as a pest and mm-hmm. you can't get rid of them like a pest but some places they are protected so it's all and even if they get classified as pests you can't there's a limit to how many a town can cull and in terms of like cohabiting with them it just feels like humans haven't figured it out oh my god and and that's about the cockatoos and to end on this note um what inspired this episode is um last episode we talked about the giant snail which is actually very invasive yes so i looked up other invasive species we can talk about (laughs) cockatoo is not invasive but I have they're menacing. Yeah, but I found off the top ten. I I found other other things like king toads. That's also in Australia, also in Florida. So I think the theme is just like things just get bigger, wilder, and more menacing in Florida and Australia. <laughs> that's that's the takeaway from this animal oh corner. My God. Our fun animal corner has turned into menacing, menacing, hard to live with wildlife, asshole of a creature, beavers, cockatoos, badgers. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I just find the way they're all like eating bread and looking at you like, yeah, what? They're what, all you just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so good. What? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll never think of a cockatoo the same way. Now I'll feel like I'll look at them and like, I know what you're capable of. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. It's no joke. <laughs> ah. All right, the cockatoo, yay. So the parents of Pasadena, I suppose you are not that annoying. That's true. Could be way worse. You're absolutely right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Yay. Time for meat part two. All right, let's do it. In meat part two, we are going to focus on actives. And this is because we feel like actives are probably the most helpful category in being able to decode. I think there's a couple questions that Mm -hmm. we're hoping to answer through Decode. Mm -hmm. And the first question is, are you actually getting what you want? (laughs) This is super relevant for the episode we just did on vitamin C. Something that we learned while we're doing research is vitamin C serums nowadays, a lot of them are just very generically called some sort of C serum. But the reality is 
that doesn't tell you what kind of vitamin C you're getting and can get really confusing mm. really fast. Mm. And um, two episodes ago, we did an episode <laughs> on vitamin C derivatives. And check it out because what you'll learn is not all vitamin Cs are created equal. Mm. You might think you're getting a vitamin C-, C serum because it's an antioxidant, because it's brightening, because it boosts collagen production. But you might also you might only be getting one out of those three benefits or two, depending on what you're actually buying. Yep. I I was trying to think of other realms where this happens a lot too. I think general antioxidants mm-hmm. realm is kind of confusing. I was also thinking about um, sometimes with pigmentation, um, if you're trying to tackle hyperpigmentation and it's just um, you hear things like brightening serum, you can get very different ingredients. Like mm-hmm. it could be an exfoliator. You could get just like not saying licorice root extract is bad, but it could just be like a more – uh, tame mm-hmm. i think like brightening serum versus actual hyperpigmentation active so i just feel like the, i think those two realms to me stick out the most yeah and for me another one is actually retinol because yeah. we we run into a couple yeah, actually retinoid serums and when you take a closer look you're like what is in here <laughs> and it might be the grand active form yeah. it might be an encapsulated form but yeah. it's not very clear i think the other realm too and i think this is just more just very confusing is like if you are looking for something that is soothing mm-hmm. tackling anything that deals with calming soothing sensitivity anything like that i think that realm is also really confusing yeah to know for sure. what are you getting what is actually helping soothe the skin mm-hmm. yeah so so when you get into uh outside of the core actors of the main skincare actors like vitamin C, retinol, it can get that much worse yeah. in terms of deco. Yeah, true. But for, say, your retinols and your vitamin C, we definitely recommend at least skimming the ingredient list and look for the ascorbyl blank ingredients for your vitamin C to know exactly what molecule you're getting. And for retinol, look for retin- retinol with an O, retinol with an A, retinoate as the... um as a derivative form or retinol palm, something like that. Yeah. So you kind of have a gauge for what you're expecting. Totally. So that's the first question. Mm-hmm. The second question is, are you getting enough or are you getting too much? I think people have heard us rant about the percentage train really derailing in recent years. And that's what this category is about. It just creates so much work for us. Yeah. And <laughs> hey, we still have work. Yay. <laughs> you're right. We could have no work. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, this is, you know, going down through the main actives, you know, the case of AHAs, percentages matter. Obviously, it can dictate whether you're going to be using it every night mm-hmm. versus maybe weekly. Retinol, we already know. And the percentages differ if you're using retinol versus tretinoin versus, oh, what's the other one? Uh, retinol, retinaldehyde. And then niacinamide, mainly because it's now in so many products, Mm -hmm. having a good gauge of how many products include niacinamide. And now knowing that, as we tell you, jack of all trades, plays nice with everything, they're starting to really bump up that concentration in a lot of their products. So we are noticing many of you saying like, I just, I think I have too much. Like I Mm -hmm. I don't need any more in my my products. Yeah. This can be confusing, um, but worth doing the homework mm-hmm. on because every actor's effective le- level and range can differ. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to our podcast, you'll know that sometimes like what brands tell you about their percentages might not be like fully forthcoming yes. or can still be a little misleading. Yes. So, um, but I think the, the how much you're getting, are you getting too much is such an important one to figure out. Yeah. Now, probably the other category that's kind of confusing is all the other 
like actives that you hear about. These are things like peptides, mm-hmm. fancy extracts, even new proprietary stuff. Um, and, and this is this definitely becomes a much more complicated and probably harder arena to really decode. Mm-hmm. For example, with peptides, like we said, a lot of it's proprietary. Some don't do anything. And this is probably where we would say we would lean heavily more towards looking at claims than mm-hmm. actual ingredient lists. Yeah, because, for example, some, um, some brand might claim hexapeptide. Even if you ask us, oh, what's a hexapeptide? Or like, does this hexapeptide work? We're like, well, I don't know which one it is. It yeah. depends on where it came from. Yeah. Hexapeptide what? There's a number next to it. Yeah. So as a consumer, it's unlikely that you know if there's enough of this hexapeptide. If this peptide yes. does anything, it's yes. just not super helpful. So yeah, totally agree. This is where you want to look at claims. And also, I want to add that this is where the brand as a whole matters. Mm. So if this brand has a habit of making very confusing retinal percentage claims, <laughs> how much do I trust their choice of peptides? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think it's just this. I I think the probably good example is also like things like um, our silly marin, mm-hmm. right? Like an extract like that versus a very exotic extract like we're this is when you kind of start have to looking at like what data there is out there is there any testing what can they yeah so that's why it's like "Mm, it's kind of a gray area yeah so we would say when it comes to these type of actors might not be super helpful to decode yeah for sure so that's the general scope of actives Mm -hmm. Think one other arena you can think about for decoding IELTS is general skin triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, I'm gonna put Gloria out there. Her feels about drying powders. I hate them all. Yeah. So she knows her trigger, and mm. that means she's gonna be pretty conscious of how she shops for that in actually many different types of products: moisturizers, sunscreens, foundations, all that. And I should mention that um, I mentioned earlier in the episode, or maybe last episode, that. When I see things like oil control, mm. I immediately know there's powders. Mm-hmm. But I have dry skin, so it's not like I'm really shopping for oil control to begin with. Yeah. So and the reality is powders are often used in skincare because they feel nice. They give you a cleaner finish mm-hmm. or a softer touch at the end. But um, that means you can find them in all sorts of products. I've seen them in sunscreens, actually a lot in sunscreens. Most, oh, yeah. Yeah, and a lot in moisturizers. So for me, I do do a quick decode. If I see silica, I run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, this is again, you know, when you have too much of one a good thing like niacinamide is a great way to kind of assess all of that. Um, skin allergies, I mean, it's kind of wild. We've had some followers; they've been able to like hone basically in. hone in on like a really specific and what we would think is like not that common mm-hmm. of an allergy. But this is when you know you can whittle it down and basically avoid, you know, a skincare problem. Yeah. yeah. And if you have pretty serious reactions to mm-hmm. uh, to skincare, you might want to consider going to a germ and yep. do an allergens panel test. 100%. Because I, I know it gets, it becomes really crazy, the detective work you have to do to hone in on ingredients. Yeah. When people come to us and say, oh, I have an allergy to Cetero L. I'm sitting here like, how did you find out that it's a Sotero <laughs> alcohol? Yeah. So when it gets to be that granular, like you feel like you're already using the most vanilla products and you still have a trigger yeah. or you want to get into actives, but you're a little worried, it might be time to just do a test and figure it out. Totally agree. And then we're going to touch on this just a smidge. I think if you think about decoding IL, uh, there is a realm that stems from being clean beauty conscious. And... 
We're going to just tell you right now, when you start decoding IELTS based on these like no-no lists out there, it will drive you nuts. Yeah. And I think there's actually, there are people in this realm that will put a full ingredient list onto yeah. an inky decoder or a EWG. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you freak yourself out. <laughs> yeah. It'll drive you mad. And we'll tell you it's not helpful because there are, I guarantee you for one ingredient, there's going to be like 500 sources out there and there is no way you can identify if that's a legitimate source or not, or if this source is truly problematic or not. And I guarantee you, there's also probably no data to really substantiate the fear, mm -hmm. you know? So I think what we want to say is, you know, we don't recommend like getting too caught up in this, but we can give you a bit of uplifting news for better or worse because of this movement. Major ingredient suppliers are really having to do a ton of work to work mm -hmm. on their transparency. Um, so, you know, there's, I would say, you know, I just, I guess Gloria and I are not too concerned. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have any questions, you know where to find us. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I think that's kind of the general guidelines mm -hmm. of decoding in our eyes. We definitely want to say this is not the end all be all. Yeah. You know, decoding ingredients can give you an added picture that we think a lot, it can be very helpful to consumers. But is it going to be give you the final say on anything? Like probably not. It's just one more piece of info. Yeah, I think it's definitely a piece of my journey. I, I feel like for a long time, the ship has sailed for me. Like I'm not, I can't, it's hard for me to think what I would do if I'm a consumer in the blind mm, anymore. Yeah. But I was trying to think like, okay, if let's say I'm trying to get serious about hair care, oh, oh, which is really hot right uh -huh. now. <laughs> and I don't really, it's not a feel I'm super interested in yet. Uh, I haven't done a ton of homework in this department, but let's just say I want to take take better care of my hair. Would I decode ingredients? I'll probably say it's it will be part of the journey, right? I will probably try a bunch of products and then feel like, what am I doing? What am I looking for? And when you want to look for that benefit is when you want to do more homework. Mm -hmm. And then in that sense, yeah, decoding ingredients should absolutely be part of that journey to just understand a little bit more of what you're putting on your face and what may or may not work for you. But at the end of the day, there is so many factors. I would say if you want to get so like get to that expertise level of it, you are gonna drive yourself crazy. Yeah, and just for sure. You know, yeah, sometimes we go crazy. Yeah, a couple <laughs> a couple of key info per category yes. is probably um, gonna be the most helpful here. Totally agree. So to sum up, the goal is that with this added info and your newfound ability to decode claims paired together. Hopefully, our guy, with some of the things we've been able to share, we can save you a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. You can have a less frustrating journey mm -hmm. um, where you don't spend a couple months of downtime on a dud. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you feel more sure of like what you're putting on your face. Because I think when we first started Chemist Confessions, the main issue was seeing our friends and my own mother like just buy things because they just just with no rhyme or reason mm -hmm. except that it's a really fancy jar and yeah. it's really expensive so it must be better than what's out there right mm -hmm. so hopefully that's it's just a more educated uh purchase choice and you guys feel more confident in what you're buying yeah that's and really it. that's honestly like part of the whole point of us doing chemist confessions <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway so hopefully this is helpful if you have any questions about decoding your products 
or any other burning skincare questions, Gloria, where can they find us? You can find us on our website at chemistconfessions.com. Um, if you have, if you want to learn more about decoding, mm-hmm. definitely check out our blog. We have and the book. Yes, and the book. There's a blog post on decoding moisturizers. Mm-hmm. We kind of go in deeper on each individual core active ingredient as well. Yeah. And the book is definitely a comprehensive yeah. overview where you can get that. That's um, get that organized info. nicely. Yeah, blog is less organized, <laughs> so don't don't tell us. We know. <laughs> and um. Anyway, you can also write to us, email us at info at chemistconfessions.com, DM us on Instagram at chemist.confessions, and that's it. All right. See you guys next time. Thank you guys. See ya. Bye.